There are ways that you by yourself can make your job less stressful or with like a, a superficial level of help from other people. Scheib, uh, John Scheib did a qualitative study of four, I believe, music teachers in one department and, um, and he was studying their stress and he came up with this list of six stressors and I decided to use his. Before I go any farther with that, I should say that there's nothing to say that these are the only six. There are there are surely other things about your about someone's job that can be stressful. The six role stressors that Scheib pulled, we have role conflict, which is when different people want you want different things from you in your job. To dip a little bit into the theory, there's something called your role set, which is all of the people who um, have something to do with your job. So as a teacher, we often call them like stakeholders. So like students and parents and community and administrators and other teachers, like anybody who has anything to do with your job. And the um, if different members of your role set want different things from you, that's role conflict because who's, who, who do I try to appease? Do I try to appease the students by playing fun music? Do I try to try to appease the administrators by trying to get a one assessment? Do I try to like, who am I trying to make happy? Um, role ambiguity comes in when you when you're not sure what your role is in some ways, in some ways it's sort of opposite of role conflict because role conflict is like, everybody has a really clear thing that they want from you and you can't give them all um, at once. But role ambiguity is like, no visually defining this position for me. And Scheib found that, and, and my results corroborate that like, that's not a huge deal in, in music ed. I think that's probably because we're, we're, we're pretty thoroughly prepared um, in our college programs and NAFME helps. They have really strong ideas about what it should be. And there's such a strong like sense of tradition in music ed in, in all, all corners of music ed, really that like, we almost never don't know what to do. Like I might not know how to solve a problem, but I, I know that I'm supposed to be solving the problem and that that's my job right now. Then we have role overload, which, um, I'll, I'll jump ahead and say, this is the big one. This is the one that's most common. And that's just, there's flat out too much to do. Um, and there's not enough time to do it. And this this is the one um, of of the six. This is the one that was more strongly. Yeah, people experience this. Again, there are still people who experience it less so. But this this was the the biggest one. Too much to do. Um, then there's underutilization of skills, which is kind of an interesting one. And it's not. Um, this is this is the other one that's like not that big of a deal for music teachers. I've, you've got skills, you've got knowledge that you don't get to use. The thing there is like, we're, we're trained pretty directly to do our jobs. And even all that theory and oral skills and piano stuff that we have to do, it it's, it's all relevant. Like for the most part, the stuff that we're trained to do is relevant to the jobs that we do. And so we don't get too much underutilization of skills. Um, then you've got resource inadequacy and resource can be really broad time, money, personnel, you know, I've got a 200 member marching band and I don't have the staff to run it. That's resource inadequacy. And then non-participation, which is when somebody else defines your role in with force, like, you know, a, a, a job description has some force over how you do your job and, uh, and you don't have any say over that. that. That one's a little bit interesting too, because in, in education in general, we often don't have a whole lot of say, but I think music teachers, um, for a number of reasons, get a little bit more lenient. So we don't often have standardized testing that we have to worry about teaching to. Um, so as long as, as long as whoever is looking at us sees some good music going on, then the way we go about that is pretty much up to us. So non-participation would be a stressor, but 
Uh, in a lot of cases, we don't have to worry about it as much. Uh, so all six of those things in their inverse, if you're looking to relieve stress, then you would look for those things and you would look for how to relieve them. So I'll go down the list one more time and, and just give like a couple examples of how you can do that. So <clears throat> role conflict, again, like different people want different things from you. So there's something to all of these in just having conversations with people, getting those different people in a room together, or at least communicating with all of them and trying to figure out what uh, what are the actual main goals. If the students want one thing and the parents want another, well, have they communicated about that? Like, can we get everybody in the room together to figure out what should the orchestra look like? Like, what kind of thing are we going to do? There's also something I think uh, in, in experience about that, where once you have a strong enough vision of what you know the students need, you're sort of role initiative comes from you. And obviously if somebody else wants something from you, you may or may not have to attune to that and, and satisfy that person. But I think even just taking a few minutes to sit down and, and write out like, what are the different people and what do they want from me? Cause sometimes you can assume that somebody wants something from you and they don't actually care. One of the big things that I experienced as a novice music teacher was that there were like two or three kids who whenever I would ask, quote unquote, the band a question, uh, they would answer. And in my head, that was the band's answer. And that was the band's desire. But then you get to other people and they either don't care or they feel exactly the opposite. And so that vocal minority can really, can if you let it, can really steer the ship of your music program but it might not be what everybody else wants. Just sort of taking an inventory of like who wants what and really who wants what out of your program and what kind of force and what's your interest in, in appeasing them. Cause if somebody wants something your pro from your program, but it's unreasonable and, and like they don't, you don't answer to them, then you can just ignore them. You know, obviously we want our music to make people happy, but like, you know, if there's one one random community member who really wants to hear some kind of music that just doesn't fit at all with what you're doing, sorry, you don't have to, and you can't bend over backwards to appease every single person um, every single time. And that's kind of the 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 message there. Um, <clears throat> role ambiguity, uh, even more so than role conflict conversations. Somebody at some point should be defining a job for you, and if that hasn't been done um, in a problematic way, you've got to you've got to talk to your supervisor, you got to talk to your administrator, you got to talk to somebody to find out what that actual job is. Um, and you've got to do that. And then of course, I think all music teachers know that we do way more than our job descriptions say, um, which is why this isn't usually a huge deal. But if there is any ambiguity, um, then you've got to pin that person down and talk to them. Um, and that, I think that's probably usually where that comes from is just not, not airing whatever, whatever expectation is there. It's, it's that hidden expectation that you don't know is there. Um, and conversations are the best way to, to get there. Underutilization of skills, again, not usually super an issue. Um, <clears throat> if you have a bunch of skills that are music related, but you're not using, um, then my first question for you is, are you sure you're in the right job? And I don't mean that like sarcastically or anything. I mean that in like, if you're like a, a, a killer keyboard player, but you're teaching an orchestra, um, and you never get to use that keyboard skill. Like, is is there is there a job for you in a different place, or even in that like a different job in that school? We all have lots of skills that we're not using in our music classrooms, and that's fine. Like, I've taken up woodworking in the last couple of years. I don't expect to use my woodworking in my band class. Like, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. But you know, I love Irish uh, folk music. 
Um, and I, I know some stuff about it and I like that I can use that. And if I'm not using that, then I need to pick music that, that allows me to use that. And I do, um, you come, come to my concerts and you'll hear, you'll hear Irish folk music from time to time. Is, is there a different job you need to be doing, or is there a part of your job that you haven't unlocked yet? You know, you, you walked in, you've been teaching there for three years, you walked in on day one and here were the four different classes that you're supposed to teach can you walk up to somebody else and say, Hey, I would actually really not like, I don't, I'm not a great guitarist. Like the kids in my guitar class aren't really learning a whole lot, but I would love to teach East Asian music class because I dig that. And I have those skills. Cool. Do that. Like, you know, you, as you as a teacher are allowed to do that kind of stuff, but I think we just don't think to do that kind of thing. Um, so if you've got those relevant skills, like go try to use them. And then the other, the other option there is like, is there another outlet? Cause you know, I, I'm, I'm a saxophone player. Uh, I really enjoy playing the saxophone teaching band. I don't get to play saxophone very much. Cause that's not part of the job, but there are plenty of other places I, I can go play saxophone. And so that that's how, another way to do that. Resource inadequacy is, is another big one, but is also like, I can only help you so much with that because um, your school district gives you money. And that's usually the big one. All the other resources are kind of they come from money. And this is sort of the just, it's a systemic problem that there's not enough money in education. And I think people know that. And I don't really want to belabor that point a ton because I'll just get mad. But um, <clears throat> but uh, uh, there are times where there's money. Uh, I, I'll say two things about it. One, there are times where there's money that you you might not know about or might not think about, but, um, you know, knock on doors and and build relationships with people and find out um, how to get that money. Because if you just, if, if somebody walks up to you and says, here's a thousand dollars, go create a tournament, you know, marching band, like it's not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> but you might be able to explain to somebody, yeah, that's not really how that works. Um, and they might go, Oh, well, we, we do want this. So we'll give you the money. They might, they might have it. Um, and I know there are probably some people laughing because like, no, they don't have it, but, or maybe there's something you don't know. And, and a conversation with somebody in the hallway over or over coffee or something might spark something. You, you got to find out what's important to people. And, and, you know, sometimes you can make an impassioned argument for what's important to you, but more often with resources, it's about finding out what's important to the other people um, and making an impassioned argument that in order for them to get that, you need to have what you need. There, there may be resources available that you don't don't know of, or there may be things within your budget that you're assuming are a necessity, but they actually aren't, and it would be better allocated elsewhere. And then non-participation. Again, I, I think a lot of times when we experience that non-participation, it is, I won't say self-inflicted, but like um, it, it is for our lack of speaking up because I, I, I have to believe that there's somebody who, who wants to hear our expertise and understand our expertise. And now if you're like an assistant, like an assistant teacher, and there's a, a, another teacher who's calling all the shots, then that can be a different story. And there are conversations that um, can be held there too. And you might need to, to break some ice and you might need to have some difficult conversations about like, you know, Hey, I, I have, I have these ideas and they get struck down and I, I really feel like some of these are good ideas. And, but then with all of these, there's, there's always going to be a point where, uh, if if your efforts are not being responded to, then you might have to look elsewhere. And I think that's something that it's weird. I have no problem writing writing this, but when I have to say it out loud, it it, it gives me a little bit more pause. But I, I I think we should probably be a little bit more aggressive about leaving our jobs or not taking them in the first place, and and looking at at these people who craft these jobs and saying no, 
you know, this is not enough money for me to live on, or this is too much work for me to do, or I literally can't do what you're asking me to do because you're only giving me $600 a year. And that's not enough to, to, you know, these instruments are going to break down over the course of 10 years. And then what, like, there's not enough for me to do, whether it's desperation to get the job, which I, again, totally understand. Uh, I, I think a lot of times it's love and passion for the kids, which is excellent and great. And I, you know, don't discourage that at all. But the flip side of it is that the more we continue to say, okay, I will bear this burden, uh, the worse our mental health gets. And the the more other people are able to just say, well, I don't, this isn't a problem. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to give you money because you're not going to do anything about it if I don't. So that's, that's unfortunately, that's uh, some game theory right there. Um, and then to go back to role overload, because again, it's, it's, that's the most common one. Some of this comes from like varied expectations. And I, I think all music educators need to have a clear idea, a clear core central idea about what uh, their program is going to be about and what they're going to do about it. Um, and that's going to allow you to shave off some of the extra and just be able to calmly look at somebody and say, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. And here's why. Um, and sometimes it's that lack of, and, and here's why that means uh, that we can't do that. And we just sort of accept everything. I think in some cases, we've got to look at our programs and, and ask what our, uh, the resources that we have, going back to the resource inadequacy piece, can sustain. If you don't have 150 people, then don't try and sing choral literature that doesn't sound good with 150 people. If you don't have the money, if you don't have at least a handful of thousands of dollars, don't try and field a marching band show that's supposed to knock out every other there's so many different things that you can do that are good um that you don't have to do just the same thing that everybody else is doing and you definitely don't have to do everything everybody else is doing um you go on facebook and you see that such and such as jazz band did a killer job and you see that such and such is you know a, a, a madrigal dinner and that was really cool and you see such and such started a strolling strings group which is something i've only ever read about but like it sounds like a cool idea and and you internalize all these things and and you or even if they're all in your area you know um and you just want to do all of them but like each of those people is nailing that thing and they might be nailing a couple other things, but nobody's nailing all of it. Uh, and you've got a unique set of skills and you're only going to be overwhelmed by that role overload. If you try and do every single thing, the other part of it is the students, especially those of us who teach at smaller schools, like, you know, when my lead trumpet player is also on the soccer team and, you know, is, is dating somebody who's in theater. So I guess they'll go do theater because that's how high school works. Like, yeah, you want to have a, a jazz band and a marching band. And, and I'm, I'm talking from band because that's my experience, but you can translate to any context. You want to have all this stuff, but you, you kind of just can't. And again, you can, but at what cost? And are you depleting yourself and are you depleting your students? in order to get that. And I think taking a step back and looking at the big picture, a lot of these things, when we're in the midst of them, it feels like this noble self-sacrifice and you know, I'll, I'll do, I'll do this. Like this is, this is a lot, but I will do it for these kids. But one of the other impetuses for this study that I didn't even, that I didn't talk about is like by five years, half of us are done. Like in music, the attrition rate for music education is, is, and for all of education, it's colossal. Like most people stop teaching before their careers are over. Most people stop teaching music before they, they do switch to do something else, whether that's an education field or just, you know, real estate is one you hear a lot. Like you can make 
a lot more money doing something else you can. And as soon as, as soon as people sort of grow up and realize that you can be satisfied doing something else, it's like, Oh, why would I do this? And again, it's not about, it's, it's not, it's not about in that moment, not doing what's best for the kids. But like, if you want a 30, 40, 50 year career as a music educator, you've got to be thinking in that long-term way. And some of these things that sometimes we just take for granted and consider normal are just unsustainable. And we've got to look at our programs and ask what's worth it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Dodd. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been great. Music, Music. 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 Music.